Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast with Byron Dempsey, dedicated to educating and inspiring the younger generation around entrepreneurship and practical life skills we aren't taught in school. Created for young people who seek direction in establishing their goals and passions, this podcast provides a platform for discussing the steps taken by professionals in their field related to handling finances, making money online, starting a business, growing a network, and much more. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. I quickly want to introduce you all to my guest for this episode. He is an author, TEDx speaker, host of the Inspiring Business for Good podcast, and co-founder of Inspire, life-changing accountants. Living true to his life's purpose, to do good and inspire others, his business revolves around family and giving back to those in need. Harvey is a good friend of mine and just an all-around awesome human being. He is recently married with a beautiful daughter and just moved to his dream home in Rainbow Bay. But as you'll find out, Harvey came from a young, poverty-stricken family and grew up without any privilege and was forced to face many challenges. There is so much we can learn from him in this episode, but my favorite part is when Harvey shares his top 10 skills we should have learned in school. This episode is jam-packed with insights and great value, so make sure you zone in and feel free to follow along on social media, where I share videos and content from every episode. Now, over to Harvey. Um, welcome so much to the podcast. Super excited to have you on. Thank you, bro. Thanks for having us. Um, just to set the scene, tell me a little bit about, about you. How did you get to where you are? Um, what was your story? What did you do after high school? And how did you get to where you are? Yeah, well, set the scene. Uh, a, I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, but my name's Harvey Penny. Uh, I'm an author, a best-selling author, actually, and a TEDx speaker and co-founder of Inspire Life-Changing Accountants. So that's kind of who I am today. Uh, what got me here, uh, if you kind of start from the beginning, um, I was born into a really poor uh, family uh, in, in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, my mum was, if you can believe it, bro, 13 when she had my sister and 16 when she had me. So, um, you know, for, for the young uh, listeners, like imagine what you were doing and what you were thinking and feeling at that age. Like yeah. they were just kids, really. 13 is terrifying. Yeah, it's nuts. So they were kids who were having kids. And so we also lived in a really poor part of New Zealand. They, they kind of lived in the hood. And so we had, uh, we were pretty poor. Um, so mum and dad sort of brought us over to what they thought was the land of opportunity, Australia. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were looking for kind of a better future for us. And so it was interesting when they arrived, they didn't have any kind of friends or, or money. No connections or anything. Nothing, yeah. no, no education and, uh, and arguably no hope. Uh, but yeah, here we are today and they kind of ha- had found a way. Mum was even saying the other day that um, we were so poor uh, early days that should take us to like the local Coles or Woolies and should sort of like steal food for us to have mm, for dinner. Yeah, so. Wow. Uh, it was kind of that origin, Byron, uh, was, was, was our beginning. It kind of created an environment whereby, uh, you know, if you wanted something, you needed to go and work for it. Work you for know? Yeah, we wouldn't have things. There was no silver platter. We, we didn't have anything like, um, you know, kids get money every week. Just mm, because, pocket money. Yeah, pocket yep. money. We never had pocket money. We had jobs. We had businesses. Uh, but it was really cool. Uh, I'm really grateful for that environment because it, it, A, taught me the value of a dollar. Uh, and B, it taught me the the ability to kind of create what I needed in my world because yeah. I didn't have the ability for mum and dad to give it to me or it didn't fall on my lap. If I wanted something, my, my upbringing taught me that I needed or I had the ability to kind of go out there and, and make it happen, which was, uh, in retrospect, uh, it was a harder upbringing, but it was uh, it was an amazing way to start. That's good, though. Like you, I mean, you always it's always a classic underdog story. You always hear about successful people who had a rough upbringing, and obviously it helps them to understand, as you said, the value of a dollar because I know heaps of people who don't seem to value a dollar. Um, I was not 
I was not poor when I grew up. I was definitely middle class. Um, but my parents very, taught me that, you know, we had to work for our pocket money. We didn't just give in it. We had to do, you know, we the, stack the firewood, all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's this... Have you heard of Ed Milet? Yeah. So he talks about this thing called people in middle class actually have it quite difficult because people who are born into poverty, they've got the hunger and the, the drive to get out of it because they know how hard it can be. People who are rich have connections. They can kind of get given anything they need, if they're not anything, but they have a big advantage. But in the middle, you don't have the hunger, you don't have the connections, so you kind of just are floating here. What are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I, I just think in general that the advantage is, is to have that hunger. If there was like one superpower that we could all have in this day and age as young people moving forward into the future is, is if we've got that baseline hunger, then we can sort of use our resourcefulness to find access to the people or to the tools yeah. or to the learnings that can help us get to where we want to be. Whereas for those who, you know, unfortunately the middle class or those who grew up that silver spoon in their mouth figuratively, uh, they're sort of just sitting around waiting for everything to fall in their lap and, and the world just doesn't work that way. It yeah. might work that way while mum and dad are around and they're sort of helicoptering around supporting, but once you get out into the real world yeah. after high school into business, uh, unfortunately that whole world in the reality kind of comes in crashing down uh, and and thankfully it, it's the hungry uh, who would be out there to to kind of take what what's what's available exactly no i love it um so we'll, let's keep going so you you grew up whereabouts in new zealand uh far north far, far north day. okay so <laughs> not where i was so i was down south um but you moved to australia and you did high school correct yep. did you graduate high school uh, yes and what did you do after yeah. high school uh, well, mainly my career started before high school. I, I started my first business when I was 13, yeah. um, and so I was still, I think, grade 7, 8, 9-ish. Uh, I was mowing lawns yeah, and doing... Classic. Yeah, classic. Yeah, well. yeah, classic <laughs> starter. Um, but just to give some context, I bought my first house uh, just as I finished high school mm-hmm. uh, when I was 17, so wow. uh, I'd been able to kind of work my ass off and save up enough to kind of get into uh, the, this psychology of understanding. It isn't just about earning money, it's also about how we could use that money to kind of own assets and to invest, yeah. So, um, so yes, I I finished high school kind of at around that time and I went straight into business. Um, I uh, started a a scaffolding business uh, because what's interesting about scaffolding is that all you need to kind of start that business, the the sort of entry requirements are pretty low. You need a a hammer and uh, muscles and I I had both of them, thankfully. (laughs) Uh, But uh, over the next three to five years, I built up a crew. We we kind of employed at the peak maybe 50 guys. Oh, wow. Um, We'd built hundreds of tons of of scaffolders, scaffold that we owned, uh, ended up selling that business. At what age did you sell it? Uh, I would have been five years later, kind of 22, 23 yeah, yeah. odd. Still um, very young. Yeah, still young. But, you know, imagine being the, the young guy who's like the, the leader, the manager, the payroll guy mm. for people who are, you know, many times or many years your superior. Like yeah. you learn a lot of lessons around uh, this idea that age doesn't matter, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially in this day and age. So, yeah, got into that first business and kind of it was like my university, if you like. That's, how, that's what I consider as well. Like getting, this, getting in with Dent and doing all this video stuff is my university. Yeah. And I think, and that's how I learn. I learn through doing practical and experience. Um, and to people who out there, who I think if you can figure out which way you learn, 
because I know a lot of people learn by book, so uni's great, but if you're very practical and experienced, I think if you can just get a job or get your foot in the door, it can be super valuable. Yeah, um, yeah well, like if we took the context of business, like there's kind of five things that businesses, sales, marketing, some sort of product that you deliver, uh, and then the operations of it, and then the finance. Yeah. And while you might learn the theory of that in a textbook at university, what you learn in the textbook and what you learn in the real world are, are completely yeah. different. So textbook, nothing goes wrong, but in the real world... Everything seems to go wrong. Yeah, like, yeah, I remember being 18 years old, um, having just paid payroll you know, to all these guys who had their own families and kids and responsibilities mm-hmm. and be getting phone calls on Friday morning saying, oh, bro, I can't get to work today because you know, I've spent all my money. Like, Can you lend me 50 bucks to get to, to work? You're like, how do you reconcile this? Well, yeah. These are like some of the real-world problems that... It's before zero and all the accounting software. Yeah, and so... You know, if your pathway is to get into business, then yeah, let's jump in and start our own little little mini side hustle so that we can get that real world experience. Uh, and even if it isn't in business, let's say you want to study to become a, a physiotherapist or an accountant or a chiropractor. Uh, yes, go and continue on with your theoretical studies at uni. But at the same time, how could we find or get our foot in the door of you know one of an up and coming uh, chiropractor firm or physiotherapy firm and mm. start learning and working from the ground up there? And then by the time we graduate, well, by the time we get into our, our major business uh, we, we've both learnt you know the theory but we've also been able to uh, have sort of sharpened our skills uh, on, on the grinder of, of life and, yeah. and the market <laughs> no I love that um, so you so you did the you sold the scaffolding business yep. is that when you, you started your current business after that uh, kind of it got me in the right direction so I, I'd been working five years out in the sun lifting heavy stuff dealing with all sorts of sort of HR challenges and, and it was really quite dangerous and heavy work and I got really tired of, of doing the hard labor and I knew um, our, mon- our family never had money and I knew that I needed to solve this money problem not because I cared about money but I just wanted to not have any of the issues that we faced growing up and so I decided to go to uni and I thought well um, you know what could I study what, uh, what's the career path that I could take and uh, I, I settled on accounting because I thought well you know accountants they sit around all day counting other people's money I thought they must have plenty of it themselves and so <laughs> I decided to become Flawless an accountant logic. yeah well that was it um, and so I started you know learning the theory but at the same time I kind of took my own advice that I shared before and I, I, I started working for another accounting firm because mm. I knew I needed to learn what I needed to learn from a theory perspective but also I wanted to understand what real life was like so I started from the ground up uh, it was really interesting um, I, I had a friend who owned an accounting firm and I said to him Tim I'm about to start studying accounting uh, I'm going to become Australia's most impactful accountant one day uh, but I, I'd love the opportunity to come and work from you learn from you do whatever you want he's like oh thanks Harvey I appreciate it but um, I don't really need anyone right now I'm like oh okay cool uh, and ended up bugging him for the next three months email text yeah. phone call social randomly appeared at the local coffee shop where I knew he, he was and just kept on pounding him and say, look, you know, there's the opportunity there. And in the end, I said to him, Tim, uh, hey, congratulations, you've got a new guy starting on Monday. You don't have to pay him. I was referring to myself. Mm. You don't have to pay him a cent until he brings value into your, your business. Uh, but he's going to come, uh, let him know, let us know what time he needs to be there. Uh, and you can do with him whatever will. He'll wash dishes, he'll clean your car, or he'll do some sort of uh, accounting work. And so that's how I got my first job. Uh, and people don't do this. And I, I know so many people, they just said, they're like, I can't get a job. It's like, well, what if you done they've filled out a few applications yeah, that's not enough yeah like you can do this and you know gary talks about like dming like 50 people a day and trying to get into just because someone's eventually going to respond yeah. and then you can get your foot in the door and we, i talk about that a lot just getting your foot in the door is huge because then you get your foot into another door and another door and another door and another door and so on yeah. um, but the other good point i like that you made and i wish i did this 
um, is you, you wanted to start an accounting agency or accounting firm, but before you did that, you went to work for an accountant. So I would say to anyone out there who wants to start a business, the best thing you can do is go work in the same industry and learn their systems, their processes, and how it works, because that was something that hit me like a truck when I started the, my marketing agency. I hadn't done that, and so I was figuring it all out for myself. I was trying to learn online and stuff. Um, it worked out, but it was like it was quite messy at the beginning. Yeah, well, uh, that was the best thing I learned about becoming a tradie, is that how do you become any sort of trade, uh, a, a carpenter or an electrician or a, yeah. um, a sparky or a plumber? You, you start with an apprenticeship. Mm. And the apprenticeship, you start doing the low-level work, and then eventually you build and grow. Uh, and in business, we don't really have... An example of an apprenticeship, hey, like yeah. it doesn't exist. You're either in business or you're, you're not. not. And when you're in business, you're either failing or you're succeeding. And so, and yeah, failing. yeah, exactly. So any chance that we can get to kind of wing somebody or, or to shadow them or be their little co-pilot, uh, I really learned. I'm so grateful to Tim. Uh, I learned so much from him about life, about business, and about running a successful accounting firm, which gave me the the real world experience mm. to and that success to come across and and build something for myself eventually. But here we are, sort of. 10 years of learning, growing, doing an apprenticeship, real-world experience before I come into Inspire, which was my real major first uh, super successful business. Yeah, awesome. So it sounds like when you're younger, you took a lot of risks, right? Like starting a business. And I think that's like the best time to take risks is when you're young, you're living at home. So if you fail, like you just go home. Like sure, you might lose some money, stuff happens, but really you're not going to be on the street. Or, and so versus people who have families to look after. Like right now, my responsibilities are so low compared to what they will be in probably 10 or 15 years. So I think it's the best time to take risks. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think when we're young, we need to risk it all, uh, which realistically is probably nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and which is an amazing sort of place of freedom. I think some of the issues that we have these days in this sort of social media world is that we're so caught up with our perception and our image of what people think about the, the, the phone that we have, the mm. watch that we have, the car we drive, and that what would it feel like if I had to move back to mum and dad's place? Yeah. I, I went back to mum and dad's five times, even most recently when I first bought Inspire three or four years ago. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to kind of eat that humble pie and unfortunately not many people are willing to do that and therefore well people don't want to take risks because they want to if they take a year off to do something that means all their friends are now in first year uni which means if they start uni next year they're going to be sec- uh, first year and their friends are going to be second year and they're going to be a year behind but really that doesn't matter mm. like what's the difference between graduating at 23 or 22 it's basically nothing um, so yeah I definitely think taking risks is something you should be doing while you're young don't, don't play it safe and then want to take a risk when you're 35 and you've got Got a newborn on the way or something. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or for my parents, 13, got a newborn on Yeah, there you go. Um, but what you mentioned there about social media. Yes. So it's fascinating to me you started a business at such a young age. Um, this is all before social media, correct? Yes. Uh, I guess probably when did it come in? In your 20s, mid-20s, social came in? Yeah. So how did you... What would you have done differently if you could have started a business? You could have done marketing through social media. You could have been educated through YouTube and all that. My education basically is off YouTube. Um, what would you have done differently if you had all this opportunity around us right now? Yeah, I, I think if anything, I would have started earlier. Mm. Like if, in retrospect, I would have not gone through to year 12 and I would have finished as early as I could and I would yeah. have started that whole real world kind of education. Uh, if I had my scaffolding business and I kind of got bored of it at year three, but I sold it at year five mm. and I should have just brought that forward. Yeah. Uh, I felt like I wanted to, instead of coach other accounting firms, which, which is what I ended up doing with Tim in that accounting firm, instead of coaching other accounting firms, I did that for about five years, but I really should have 
pulled back at year three and started off my own thing. So uh, my whole sort of advice or where I, my biggest regret, if you like, is I would have started earlier than I, than I absolutely did. And yeah. this is probably one of the greatest advantages or piece of advice that everyone listening have got is that everybody has the greatest asset of time on their side. And you talk to any person that's older than, than, than you, everyone's like, oh, I wish I had more time. I wish I had your youth. And so if we realize kind of the value of that, that asset that we have that so few don't have, then you know, we've got years ahead of uh, or, or on our side to be able to kind of kickstart this process. So step one, just start earlier, start now, start when you're not ready, start years before you think you could do it because you start figuring it out uh, once you commit to that process. Mm. <laughs> jump, off, jump off the cliff and uh, make the plane as you're going down. <laughs> you were saying you, you wish you had cut, sold the business earlier, you'd done stuff earlier. I think a lot of people I know or a lot of people I see will be like second year, third year into a degree and they're like, I don't want to do this, but I've committed so much time already. I don't want to like waste all this money and time I've already committed. What would you say? Do you think if they if they definitely if they're not enjoying it, they know they're not wanting to do this. Should they just drop out, or should they you know go through? Yeah. Um, Let's say an example. It's a four-year degree. They're just about to finish their second year, so they're halfway through it. Um, yeah. It's hard to know what's going through everyone's yeah, minds and what their situation or circumstances are. Um, but rather than thinking about stopping what you are doing, I'd sort of put the energy into thinking about starting what you want to be doing. Mm. So maybe you stop uni and maybe you don't. But what I'd think about doing is what could you do on the side that would start moving you towards the ultimate goal that you want to have? Uh, this is a really interesting quote that we are talking about this morning around um, stop start stop starting and start finishing, um, whereby sometimes we get so excited as entrepreneurs with all these different things that we could be, be doing and we go down this pathway and start this strategy, we go down that pathway and start this business, we go down this pathway and start this kind of idea or project and we've got all these open ends and open like loose things and if we could just close them off and finish them off, then we could start kind of making some progress where I think so many people's uh, kind of progress really slows down because we're constantly starting things and not really finishing enough things. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I do that as well because it, it's so exciting to start something, but to like commit, commit to finish it is so much harder. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, before you mentioned, and I know you pretty well, but you mentioned about being the most impactful accounting firms in Australia, right? Mm. Um, you've done a lot with charity and stuff, but can you talk to me? You also host a business podcast around starting a business, per, business for purpose. If someone's out there and they want to start a business, I think the, they should be starting a business with a purpose yes. because that's what's the trend right now. Mm. And I think if you're starting a business and it's just for money, it's not going to work out. It might, but nowhere near as well as a a business for purpose. Thank you, Water, you know, Tom's, all these businesses. You guys have done some stuff. Can you talk to me about, you know, businesses for purpose? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's just talk about purpose for a second because that's an appropriate theme for in general. Mm. Um, I, I'm a true believer in understanding your why, and I believe that when we know our why, uh, we have more options as to what our what can be. So I'll give you a quick example of that, Byron. My why is to do good and to inspire others. Mm. And so I'm really clear about that why, and it's like a bit of a compass that sort of guides me through life. But what's interesting is my what can be different or my what can even change over time. So at the moment, my what is to speak uh, on stage, my what is to write books, my what is to kind of lead a team and grow a, a business. But in three to five years' time, my what could be different. It might be a different business or a different kind of pursuit. Mm. But if, as long as we've all got that kind of 
compass, that sort of or that northern star that guides us, that our sort of central why, why we're here, why we're on this planet, why we're in business, then that can really help sort of drive a lot of decisions that we, we want to make and give us the flexibility over time, especially when we start young to kind of go from here to there, to this business, to that industry, to that project. Uh, as long as it's all under that same sort of theme or same guidance as, as, mm. as why we're here, what our major purpose is, then uh, we're, we're still in the right direction. We're still heading in the right direction. I love this. I love this a lot. And if anyone listened to my podcast last week, which was with Nicole Hathley, oh, and um, so what we're talking about is you should have a call to action for yourself. Like when, when you meet someone, you should have some, something that you can just say so that if they have connections, they can connect you to that person, basically. And basically, your call to action would be your compass as well. Yeah. If you figure out what your compass is, you can figure out what your call to action is. So every time you meet someone, you can say, you know, I want to be Australia's biggest accounting firm. And if they, if they can help you some way, they probably will. They might not be able to, but then you've lost nothing. And so if you can figure that out earlier on, I don't know if I've figured it out. I'm still probably, I've kind of got it, but I haven't got it as you know, succinct as, as you said it. I think it's super powerful. Yeah. Well, a um, couple of tips. Um, here's three questions you can ask yourself to start sort of the process of discovering your why. Before I share those three questions, one of my favorite quotes on this topic is by Mark Twain. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but he says, the two most important days of your life are one, the day you're born, and two, the day you find out why yeah. or your purpose. Yeah. And so we all here, we're on this planet, we're alive, we kind of ticked off that first goal. The second question we need to constantly be asking ourselves is, is why are we here? And we think about when we go through high school and uni, everyone's going, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to study? And I think everyone's been asked the wrong question. Mm. We need to ask ourselves, why are we here? And kind of begin the process of finding out our purpose. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't know my purpose, I'm only young, I'm still in my, my journey, uh, I think that's okay too, bro, because I actually also believe that the purpose of life is to find the purpose mm. in life. Yeah, yeah. And you're not, you, no one knows at this age. Like, as Nicole said last episode, she didn't find out until she was 28, and even then she wasn't 100% sure then. So it's like no one can know at this age, because people... People are trying to find it out. And it's like, how do I find it out? It's like, just, just go with life and you'll probably find it. If, especially now that you're aware that you're trying to find it, it's going to be a lot easier. Definitely. And so a couple of tips as to the direction you might want to look is, you know, think about the stuff that, ask yourself, what do you love? Like, what are you super passionate about? Mm-hmm. You know, what would you do if you could just do something without getting paid and do it for the rest of your life? Those sort of three questions will give you a bit of an insight or a bit of a direction as to where to look. Um, you know, today I've got the ability, uh, the privilege to speak with you. We've got another podcast interview after this and we've got two speaking gigs this afternoon mm-hmm. whereby we're hopefully going to impact, you know, hundreds of business owners and that's beautiful like that's the stuff that kind of gives you life whereas so many people are stuck in businesses and and careers that don't fulfill them so they go to work and they get emptied but a good way to know whether you're on track and whether you're on purpose in your life is that when you do that process or you do that job and you feel like you've got more in your cup as a result of doing that instead of feeling kind of less uh, as a result of doing it yeah no I love that you and I both finished high school, but we didn't go uni, mm-hmm. so we share that in common. I'm not a huge fan of uni, but I also respect that it can benefit a lot of people. But I wanted to talk about what do you think, because I think school is, doesn't teach a lot of practical life skills, and you know, this is why I've started this entire podcast. What do you think are the main things school should be teaching um, mm-hmm. that we're not learning? Yeah, gr- great question. Um, Even like the bare simples. Yeah. Can I have my phone, please? Um, I was writing this down. Um, I've actually been working on a little project, Byron, um, about... Um, do you mind if I just yeah, yeah, kind ahead. of share it off here? Um, uh, I'm writing another book, 
uh, it's called Level Up and 10 Essential Life Lessons to Crush It in Life After School. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah. I love that. And so I kind of had thought about what are, what are the things that I went to school and got and wish I had now looking back. And so there's sort of 10 key things that I reckon we should have learned or could have learned. Or, and if we did learn them in high school or, or primary school, would have given us a far better setup for, for life. So here's the stuff that we don't learn in high school that I reckon we should have. Uh, how to sell. Did yep. you learn how to sell at school? No. But that's probably... That's probably one of the top three most valuable skills, I think. Definitely. Uh, how to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we negotiate in every part of our business and our careers. Uh, it would be so useful to know. How taxes work. Yes. You know, we learn about, like, Pythagoras theorem, but yeah. then when tax returns come around, we're like, oh. And even and I, did ec- I did economics, which was 13 people in our class out of 180, so tiny percentage. And we learned, like, all the different types of taxes around the world, but we didn't learn how to do simple taxes in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so how taxes work. Uh, how money works in general, like just understanding the financial system, I think would be pretty important if one of our goals in life is to have this money thing sorted. Uh, How to lead. Leading people, whether in careers or or business, is probably one of the most uh, useful uh, skills that are going to help us. Even if you're introverted and you don't want to be a leader, I still think it's a valuable skill to have, right? Totally. Yeah. So let's learn how to lead, uh, how to start and grow a business, I think would be pretty important, especially in this day and age where it's so critical. Uh, How to think for yourself. Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of school leavers who come out of school and come work for us, and they're just like, you know, have been in this sort of textbook mode, yeah, yeah and, and don't realize the importance of how to think for yourself, uh, how to make millions. Like, wouldn't you like to learn how to do that? I would love to learn how to make millions. Imagine if that was a career or some sort of su- uh, subject that we could study. There's so many millionaires out there that we could kind of learn from. And is that like having multiple sources of, of income, investments, and that sort of stuff? Totally. And yeah. understanding the smart financial decisions that people could make that would get them closer to being cashed up rather than being cash poor, which mm. you know the majority of the world finds themselves in. So I think that might be helpful. Uh, how to overcome adversity. Like, we all go through some stuff in our life and... Uh, it, the, the grit that it takes to kind of come out the other side of that adversity is something that if we're never taught how, if our parents didn't teach us, or if we didn't have a guidance uh, person in our lives to give us, sort of give us that help, then unfortunately a lot of kids don't make it out the other side. Mm. Like the number one killer of people our age is suicide. Yeah. It's ourselves. Yeah. And that's so sad. And it's because we weren't taught kind of how to deal with adversity. When shit comes up, how do we deal with it? Adversaries, I think it's more, seen more now than ever because of social media. Like, you're always comparing yourself. You're always, oh, I'm not as good as this person and stuff. And, you know, that's a, that's a big reason. It's probably impacting those suicide numbers. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then final one, um, uh, how to marry and who to marry. Okay, uh, Which is a pretty interesting one. Uh, I just got married four days ago, actually. Thank you, bro. Got to say earlier on. Thank you. I think I made the right decision. Nah. <laughs> uh, Sarah's watching. Uh, I love her. But, um, you know, who you decide to partner with and spend your entire life with has a major impact on every other element of your life, your financial outcomes, your emotional outcomes, your spiritual outcomes. And again, how do we get taught you know, who to marry, how to marry? We don't. Maybe we learn from our parents by watching them. Were they a good example? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. So, yeah, there's 10 things I reckon we could learn, uh, could have learned in, in high school that I think would have set us up to crush it in life. Yeah, I love it. And I, like, for the podcast, I want to try to cover like, all of those things. Beautiful. My first episode was all about finance because I think finance is probably number one, in my opinion, on that list because it's just not taught at all. And it's kind of just, just hit me like a truck trying to understand the finances of business. Um, but, yeah, no, I love that. So, um, yeah, that's probably my favourite. Do you have a favourite in that list? If you were to just pick one, what would it be? 
Mm, great question. I, I reckon that one we spoke about how to come, overcome adversity. Yeah. Well, you've overcome a lot of adversity, haven't you, as we discussed earlier on, yeah. um, coming up in a very poor family. Did your mum teach you or did you just have to figure it out? Uh, yeah, we, you, you learn by observation. Uh, I think one of my most recent experiences was with understanding kind of how to deal with challenges is uh, two years ago, I was 31 years old, still pretty young, mm-hmm. and I was blindsided by cancer. Mm, yeah. uh, and for any of the guys listening, it was cancer. Like, nobody wants to get cancer, but it was cancer in a part of us that we especially don't want to get cancer. Uh, so I had it in my left nut. I found it, yeah. uh, felt a big lump. Um, and a week later, I was having that, that tumour and that left nut removed. A week later? A week later. And so, so you took quick action there? Uh, it was quick action, but it was definitely blindsided. Like, you know, how do you feel when you're 31 years old, bro? Like, yeah, exactly. you're invincible, you've got a whole, whole life ahead of you. I still had, you know, I was a third of the way through my 110-year plan, and this, like, this wasn't part of the plan. And so... Um, I went through that process, um, had to kind of had the prospect of, of healing. Doctors were telling me you had to have chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Wow. And you, you might not be able to have kids, you know, for a long time, if at all. Which is important to you. Oh, totally. Yeah. Family is number one. And so I went through a process of, A, reframing, like, what did that whole experience kind of mean to me? Uh, healing myself. And, and I'm really proud to kind of, A, be here still, uh, cancer-free. Uh, I've got a little baby girl, Havana, yeah. um, which was a bit of a miracle baby, given I almost lost the chance to kind of have kids and even have life. And so she reminds me every day that life is precious. But it was kind of on that hospital bed. I lost a part of me that day, but also found a part of me. And this is kind of the gift that cancer kind of gave me. And that was my life's purpose. And that's why I'm now able to articulate it so well, to, to do good and inspire others. And this was three, four years ago, was it? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. ago. Yeah, so very recent. Yeah. yeah, super. And so now I'm kind of sitting here with a, a renewed gratitude and, and, and thankfulness for life, a, a kind of second chance. Uh, and so that's why... You know, everything before, you know, this this troublesome experience was like, you know, uh, kind of unfocused without purpose. And now it's all about, you know, what are the things that are going to help me to do good and inspire others? And that kind of drives, you know, most of those decisions. And so, you know, for me, it was cancer. For me, it was my left nuts. For me, it was my my testicles. Um, (laughs) But, you know, everyone, you know, we have a giggle, but everyone's going to have their thing. You know, people yeah. are going to have their own health challenges. People are going to get smashed in their careers. People might have their parents split up or they might lose a loved one. Like, mm. everyone in their life is going to have their thing, their adversity, their challenge in life that kind of tests them. And maybe if we can find the opportunity, it gives them the gift of what this challenge means, what this adversity is. And so, again, I'm grateful to be still here and on the other side and found the meaning, which is uh, I found my life's purpose. And so if we can give young people the gift of recognising that the goal in life isn't to avoid pain, the goal is not to kind of avoid avoid adversity, we need to realise that we're going to have these problems and we're going to find them. Uh, when we find those problems, we need to kind of look internally to ourselves understand our reasons for being why we're here our purpose for being on this planet because it's that clarity it's that why that i think is going to help us overcome that adversity versus the majority who don't know why they're here they don't know the purpose in life or, or which why. is like 95 percent of people probably and they're just why, going like a, like a leaf in the wind yeah. and that's why we get to our first challenge uh, or a big challenge in life and we're all going to get it and unfortunately most people don't make it to the other side or they get to the other side and they're broken yeah uh, I feel like I'm more powerful as a result of that challenge. Great. Uh, but it was that sort of why and that purpose that kind of carried us, us through. So that's why I reckon uh, knowing how and why to overcome adversity
adversity is probably the number one thing we could understand uh, as young people because we're all going to get smashed by life. Yeah, no. <laughs> I love that. And so, we, and another, let's talk a little bit about finances. Okay. Um, so you're an, you're an accountant, obviously you know your finances pretty well. That's what your business is, as opposed to trying to help the world. I know you've got a whole day for dollar initiative, which is about giving back um, mm. to poorer countries. Is that because you yourself were quite poor growing up, and you're kind of using that to? As a, as a fuel? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I can connect and I can empathise. Uh, but what really made it clear for me, bro, is the United Nations recently kind of released what they call the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs. And they're kind of like a, a, a global to-do list for the world of, of all the problems that we have in this world. How can we as human beings uh, kind of get come together and solve these problems? And so we've got amazing young people like Greta Thunberg at the moment, yeah, yeah. who is really leading the... the the, the climate emergency, uh, but there's other problems, there's other challenges that can be resolved. And so the one challenge that I really took a stand for in my life is to take a stand against poverty. And so in our business, uh, my goal or our, our mission is to A, become Australia's most impactful accounting firm. And what does that mean? Well, it means that we can help business owners make smarter financial decisions. Because, you know, some people might have issues with money and finances. Maybe you're told when you're young and growing up that, oh, you know, you've got to be dodgy to be to be wealthy or, yeah. you know, only, only the... Those snobs. Yeah, only the yeah. snobs or only the lucky people uh, are the ones who kind of get that life, whereas actually it's, it's just a handful of smart financial decisions that can get us to that place of prosperity. Mm. And so in our business, we help people avoid poverty by making those smart financial decisions. But we also want to go another level deeper. And so uh, we're inspired by our friends at Thank You, where you know there's all these amazing businesses around the world now where they're, they're existing for a purpose higher than profits. Yeah. And so thank you, 100% of the profits from the sale of this water goes to, to giving access to, to water in the developing lands. I think this is where biz, all businesses for the future are heading. I look at like Coke and you know, even Apple, like I love Apple, but they're not very, they're very much a corporation. All these businesses, I think, if they were to start today, they wouldn't have made it, even with a good technology. But without a purpose, I don't think they would have made it. The only reason Nike, all the stuff, they made it because they were back in the 50s or the 60s and stuff, where this whole business for purpose didn't really exist. Absolutely. I think it's super exciting. Yeah, well, let's take the philanthropy and the altruism out of the equation, and it's a huge part of my reason, it's a huge part of the equation. But let me ask you a question. If you were thirsty mm. and you wanted to go have some water, and there was two bottles of water, one was like, say, Mount Franklin, the other one was thank you, and your values were such that you loved it when people kind of did good and, and did good with their profits, which water bottle would you choose? Even if it's more expensive, like a few, you know, 50, 60 cents more, probably thank you. Yeah, and, and that's what we are and that's what we do as, as young people. And so that's smart from a like, business point of view as well. Totally. That's why I love it because it's a win-win-win scenario. Exactly. You're helping the world, um, you're actually doing better business, people want to work with you because you've got a purpose. Uh, I just think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so um, that, that's the, the reason why every business that starts now in 2020 and beyond needs to start with purpose at its core. Businesses who exist just to make some money for the founders, you know, they only can go so far. But there's movements out there such as Thank You and Inspire who are existing for a bigger reason. So in emulation of the amazing guys at Thank You, we created a, a giving initiative called Day for Dollar, where for every dollar of tax that we proactively save our small business clients, uh, we give a day of access to food, water, health and sanitation to families in need. And so... 
uh, really proud to say that as of today, we've ticked over just over $10 million in tax savings mm. for our small business clients. Which is um, 10 million days of water? Uh, yes, which is 10 million days of access to either food, water, health, or sanitation, life-changing help to families in need in over 16 countries as of today. And so, you know, everything aside, that if I were to die today, uh, and, and that is a possibility, then I'd be happy knowing that, you know, what I created through my business actually left a legacy yeah. that I'm proud of. Which is what people should be focused on is leaving a legacy um, as opposed to, you know, trying to make millions, you know, and, uh, which is what I'm going to talk to you about this whole kind of... When you're young, and I still remember, I would always... Because I listened to podcasts when I was young, quite early, and you always hear people saying, we don't care about money, it's not about money, it's not about money. But when you're young and you get, you're earning 10 bucks a week or something, it's like, oh, I feel that, but also I want to earn money. Like, I want to... Like, it'd be fun, I can do all this cool stuff. But now I'm at an age where... Like, I'm not, I don't consider myself super rich, but I'm earning enough money that, you know, I can have kind of nice things. It's like, yeah, it really doesn't matter. And it's so hard to get across to the younger generation. I think it just comes from maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are your thoughts on kind of putting out a message that obviously you're doing quite well with your business, but it's much, it's much more fulfilling with uh, the whole Day for a Dollar initiative and building a legacy than earning, you know, half a million dollars a year or whatever it is. Yeah, well, um, I think one of my guiding principles, I'm fairly sure Richard Branson said this, was that businesses who do good do better. Mm. And by better, that they mean like that win-win you mentioned before. They, they attract more uh, quality team members. They attract more of the type of clients that you want to work with. Uh, they do better in the sense of we can go home at the end of the week knowing we've done a good job. But they also perform better from a financial perspective as well, which interestingly flows through to the, the ourselves in terms of how, how we can be sorted from a financial perspective. So uh, I, I think my advice or perspective is... I was flying here uh, on a plane from Brisbane to Sydney this morning and they had the kind of emergency announcement saying that in the unlikely event of emergency, you know, the oxygen mask will pop yeah. down from below and what do we need to do? Yeah. We need to put it on ourselves first. And so from a financial perspective, I think a lot of us young people, we are naturally driven to wanting to help others and to be able to care for others. But I've also seen a lot of people go so far down that pathway of helping others they're not helping themselves. that they're not helping themselves. And so there's this idea that you can't pour from an empty cup. And so if we make the smart financial decisions ourselves in our own lives, in our own businesses or careers, that has the effect of filling up our own cup. But then at the same time, if we can have that second eye, not just on profit, but we can have our second eye on purpose mm. and prosperity and be able to use that cup to give back and, and, and pay forward and, and give people a hand up, then it means that we're using those profits for higher purpose. It feels great. It looks great. It's what the world needs. And ironically, it makes our business go from you know just a good business to hopefully one that, that is great. Yeah, amazing. Love it. So don't do it for the money. Do it for the purpose. Yeah, and ironically, the money comes. I was about to say, but when you do it for the purpose, the money is going to come probably better better than it would have before yeah. um, so just before we wrap up final question and I ask every guest this question what would your number one piece of if you had one piece of advice you've given a lot what would your one, one piece of advice be for the younger generation yeah um, could even just be expanding on the adversary adversary yeah uh, four words bro um, inspire before you expire 
realization that one day we will all die. When I was 31, I got blindsided by cancer. I mm. thought I still had literally you know, 70 years ahead of me. And in that moment, my greatest gift that I now realize that is my time, that it was almost cut short. Yeah. And so every day I live my life, even as a young person, knowing that one day I might die. And so can I use the time that I've got uh, to leave a legacy and live a legacy that I'm, I'm really proud of? So let's not forget uh, that this gift that we have uh, to inspire before we expire because one day we, we might not have that time. Awesome. Love it. And just before we wrap up, Yo. where can people find you? If they want to find out more about you, your company, what you do, follow you online, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm huge on, on Instagram. So if you just find me, Harvey Penny, and also my website, harveypenny.com. And if you're in business or you think you're going into business, uh, happy to give you a copy of my book, Cashed Up. If you just go to cashedupbook.com, you can download a free copy yep. and start learning the seven smart financial decisions of a cashed up business. Awesome. And that's a great book. I've read it. It's fantastic. Thanks, bro. And that's Harvey with a double E. Yeah, H A R V E P E N E dot com. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. (laughs) All right. If you are still here, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. If you got some value out of it, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on iTunes or shared it with your friends or family. Otherwise, I'll be putting up videos of this episode on Instagram and Facebook. So check it out there at Byron Dempsey or at Driven Young Podcast. And I'll see you on the next one.